What's up guys, welcome back to the Misfit Mindset Podcast with me, your host Sarah. I am so blessed to have you guys here today and let's go straight into it, let's get right into it. I want to talk today about the art of letting go and when I say letting go, I mean letting go of control, letting go of just wanting to know what the outcome will be or what life will look like or what's going to happen tomorrow and also this is a really important part letting things go if i was really good at like editing my own voice i would have that part echoing like letting things die 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 die, die. like that's how i would have it because so many times I have these calls and these sessions and and even in my own life, to be honest with you, of, you know, you fantasized about something or you wanted something to happen. And it's like it almost did. And now you you see that it's like not working. And instead of just letting it go, you want to like want to hold on to it. And that can be relationships, that can be friendships, that can be businesses that can be so many things that you see or even a human being you know you see someone dying you see something dying you see a season of your life ending you don't want it to end so you go 10 toes deep and it's breaking you you're getting emotionally sick you're getting physically sick but you just can't like you just can't so today we're going to go through different philosophies and kind of like religious teachings because that stuff always fascinates me how on most things most religions and philosophies say the same thing uh so we're going to go through some of those things and then also i'm just going to give you some overall points and just things that i think we can take away from this so one main thing and I'm not trying to say this as like a master of letting go. I'm trying to say this as a person who's in a season. Lord, have mercy. In a season of letting go. And it is, it is just, oh, it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's tough. But one thing that I like helped me kind of understand is things die and I had to you know in a way I guess take it up in prayer a little bit um but like meditative prayer more I would say because I don't think I was like really speaking to the Lord um in like four sentences I guess but just this whole idea of life death and rebirth is a cycle is a cycle and it literally it literally does not matter on this key point what religion you go to or what philosophy you go to there is a cycle of life death and rebirth you will find it everywhere life death rebirth life death rebirth those three points it will consistently stay now the thing is that is growth right that's how you reach enlightenment or that's how you reach oneness with God in some religions or that's how you um that's how you get closer to Christ and Christianity that's how you achieve is it nirvana um, in Buddhism but it's just this idea of part of you needs to die or something in your life 
needs to die, needs to go. You need to release because if you don't release, if you don't release, it's like you don't get you don't get an opportunity of rebirth. And the rebirth is always better than the initial birth because you're growing, you're learning, but you are stopping yourself from reaching your next level. You are stopping yourself from reaching quote unquote enlightenment. You are stopping yourself from moving into a place where you are actually powerful. And we're actually going to kind of talk about the stoic idea of the power or how it makes you more powerful to be able to release things. But uh, yeah, let's pause there for a second. Now, I did write down in my notes, of course, this is the part where we start talking about the other philosophies, that they all have like this symbolic death and rebirth. So number one, Buddhism, Taoism, Taoism, excuse me, Hinduism and Stoicism and Sufism, which I just learned about today when I was doing this stuff. And Sufism is um, Islamic mysticism, which is really interesting, actually. Now, they all touch on the idea of ego death, right? They all touch on the idea of the death of the ego. Now, the ego is like the part of ourselves. Ego is like, ego is like the part of ourselves that wants to own, almost be seen, be known. The part of ourselves really that wants to control things, that is attached to material, that is attached to life, that thinks it knows, you know, that part of ourselves. We need to have an ego death. That's what they teach. And those are, of course, killing that part of yourself that wants to be in control of everything and at all times. So let's go a bit deeper into it. Let's start off with the Taoists. Now, they teach this philosophy, which I love. Like, I love this philosophy. And it's called Wu Wei. Interpreted into English, it's non-action. And essentially, it's like, you do by not doing. So, for example, you plant a seed in the soil. You allow it to grow by not getting involved. You know what I mean? You let it do what it's doing. You like you cannot make the seed grow like by force. Water, the stream of water, like you have to let it move. The air, like you have to let it move. So it's you basically just going with the flow, going with the flow of life. So it's essentially allowing things to unfold how they wish and not trying to control or manipulate it. Now, this takes a lot of self-restraint when you're in a relationship and you begin to see that relationship breaking down and you you know have tried maybe you've gone to therapy maybe you've spoken maybe you've sat down with each other but the same issues keep coming up now it's time for away, baby it's time for you to pull back and if it dies let it die let the the relationship has a life of its own like that's somehow how my mind works sometimes, like connections. Yes, it's you and it's me, but I feel like sometimes relationships, they have their own. I don't know how to, control, I don't know how to explain it, but it has its own mind and it can choose, it can choose to die, you know, and God can choose to separate it. But if you say like, no, 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 I love this person. Like, I'm not going to let them go. Like, you're going to keep fighting it. You're going to hurt yourself. It takes restraint to be like, I know, 
this is going to end. You know, we really want it to continue. But I think that if it's going to end, it's going to end and that's okay. That restraint, it seems kind of like lackadaisical that, oh, you know, a non-action, but to hold back is incredibly, you need a lot of strength to be able to do that. Cool. Now, next one, Buddhism. Now, Buddhism sees it as pointless to try to own or control anything or anyone. And that's basically like your ego, your ego. And I I love this teaching. All of these things I write down, um, I rarely write them down just like just to show, oh, I know this, but genuinely because I resonate with the part of the teaching. But the whole Buddhism teach that like you belong to no one and no one belongs to you. That is so liberating. That is incredibly liberating to know that, you know, you get caught up in these titles, my baby, my boyfriend, my husband, my house, my car. And it's like, no. Your baby can turn around and say like, mom, screw you and go. And like never see you again. Your husband can leave you for another woman. Your house can get repossessed if you miss two two payments. Your car can get totaled. Your body can get stabbed by somebody else. Like really, you own nothing. You own nothing. You are just kind of like passing through this life and you have a few decisions to make that hopefully lead you to eternal life. But other than that, you cannot control anyone like you have influence over people but you don't have control over people so buddhism see oh, oh ownership rather over people and things um and buddha said this is a quote from buddha he says in the end these things matter most how well did you love how fully did you love and how deep did you let go how deeply did you let go? That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I'm just trying in my life right now to like let go. How deeply, like, it's it's one thing I've noticed about people when they come to talk to me or, you know, even, I keep saying even in my own life, right? But you will do things like, okay, the two statements he uses is how deeply did you love and how deeply did you let go? How fully did you love? How deeply did you let go? You will love someone and you will think that because of how much you loved them, they owe you love in return. They owe you loyalty. They owe you kindness. Get real, baby. Get real. Like for real, nobody owes you anything. And it does not matter how much you love someone or how kind you are, how much you do, or whatever it is, you need to let go. And a lot of the times, this whole control issue that we have is because we are only in control of our actions. We are not in control of the outcome. You can, excuse me, to, uh, excuse me for using this example, but I think I think that it's a fair example, um, given what we're talking about. You can have sex and get pregnant and do everything right, but you can still lose the child. 
you can be a perfect wife and or husband and your partner can still fall out of love. You can study for hours and hours and hours and still fail. And such is life. You can only control what you put in, but you don't get to control what comes out. And it's a shame, really, because, you know, we have all these formulas and all these books and we think life is like math. One plus one equals two, two plus two equals four. And that's not how it goes. That's not how it goes. So that's why I love what is called. Now, what's the next one that I wanted to touch on? Stoicism, right? Stoicism. So Stoics believe that it takes courage and wisdom. Come on, Stoics. They're getting me here. They believe that it takes courage and wisdom to kill the ego and the need for control for life, uh, to control life and people. I love this one because I think, I think people think it's courageous to hold on you know, the, 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 the relationship is dying. And when I say relationship, I tend to not want to talk about marriages because I have my own convictions around that, um, around trying your hardest to keep your marriage going. But I feel like if you're not married, don't act it. Like marriage in my mind is the only time where people can have ownership over each other in a way, as much as one person can own another person. Um, if you're listening to this, without watching me then I'm using like quotation marks but relationship like dating okay um fiance fiance come on let's let's get real a little bit because there is no real uh there is no real commitment that has happened there before witnesses or even just a open declaration of love so in those cases please it's not courageous to fight for a dying ship like that it's not courageous sometimes it is more courageous like the stoics are saying to go into the unknown take the journey take the you know what i really love this person but these are the signs i'm seeing and we're away like no action like it's okay and that takes courage and it takes wisdom. And now the quote here, excuse me if I butcher the pronunciation of his name, but um, Epictetus, excuse me, um, and he wrote, he is wise who does not grieve for the things which he has not, but rejoices for that which he has. Come on, let's say that again. He is wise who does not grieve for the things which he has not, but rejoices for the things which he has. So you can try your hardest to see like, oh my gosh, I'm so sad. I'm so upset. I'm, I'm, I'm mad that I can't keep this thing or this thing is dying or this person is dying or the season of my life is over. Or you can be courageous and see the good in the situation. What have you learned? What did you get out of it? What can you do next? You have choices. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know. I don't have choice. Yes, you do. And the first choice you have is the choice of how you will see the world. You have a choice of how you get to perceive this life. Now, man, like, 
one thing the Lord had to teach me, um, I this was my mentality back in the day. You know, you didn't want to eat food, right? Let's say you're full and somebody goes, children in Africa are starving. And it's like, okay, their hunger doesn't make me any more full, any less full. And in the same breath, I used to cry about pretty small and insignificant things. And then I used to feel a little bit guilty um, because there's people in life going through worse than me. And that used to make me feel angry because it's like, well, their pain doesn't make my pain any less valid. And that was my mentality. And although I can still argue for parts of that, you have to also acknowledge that the life you live is better than some lives that other people live. The life you live deserves a little bit of celebration, a little bit of joy. And, and it's like, I can never, I can sympathize, but I can never sympathize too, too much with somebody who's complaining online. Not only do you have data to come online, but you have a whole gadget to come online and complain. You're blessed. You don't even see that you're blessed. You don't even see that you have more. So like sometimes, you know, I'll be in prayer, crying to the Lord about something. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'll just be like, yeah, but thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm sad about this thing. I don't want to lie to you. I'm upset. I want this thing to look like this. But I'm also very grateful because I have my own home and I have my own car. And I have a means to provide for me and my child. And I may want this and I may want that. And I'm upset about this. But I can also rejoice over what I do have right now. And if you believe in like manifestation or all that type of stuff. Which, you know, I know it's a bit controversial. Um, a little bit when you come more into the Christian side of things. A really powerful frequency is gratitude. Gratitude is a frequency that attracts things to you. And even just spiritually being grateful. Oh, actually, let's even jump to it. I know we're going to get to it later, but I want to jump to it now. Paul advises the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus so even Paul is saying look if you're worried if you're sad if you're scared come to God but come to God with thanksgiving you are approaching him because you're worried but when you're in his presence have thanksgiving and I know that there's something significant about that. I know that there's something significant about that. Cool. Now, my darlings, my misfits, if you desire to have peace in your life, you need to learn to let go. You need to learn, when do I stop fighting? When is it enough? When have I reached kind of like the point of no return? When am I now forcing something? When am I now trying to control a situation? Because yes, you know, you can have persistence and 
tenacity and, you know, keep pushing and, you know, don't give up and stuff. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. That's like, you know, that whole don't give up thing is when something doesn't work with somebody else and you keep trying to look for love or when you fail at a situation like education or business or whatever and you will pivot and keep trying and learn from the past and keep trying but what I'm talking about is something that is dying it's dying like it's reached the point where it has to go where you can't do too much else for it you're still forcing it you still want it to happen for no other reason but you want it but that you are afraid of releasing it that that is what we're talking about today that is what we're talking about today so let's go on let's move on to the other notes that i have i've written down naturally humans have an 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 aversion excuse me naturally humans have an aversion to negative emotions but that is also good negative emotions are also good sadness is good like anger is good grieving is good all of those things are natural and you need them and I've been doing so so much research so so much research into like mental health and specifically around uh CPTSD because uh, I realized that I think I have complex PTSD and I didn't want to believe it, but you know, I, the Lord showed me. It will get into another time, but but like, yeah. And one of the things that I was learning is a child who is not allowed to feel anger, a child who feels anger but is not allowed to not only feel it but express it. You don't want to see that child in a few years. You don't want to see them. You don't want to see what their mental health will look like. You don't want to see what their emotional regulation will look like. I believe that, like, I don't believe that there's anything. I want to be careful with some of the language that I use because, you know, I've been in enough situations where my words have been twisted, especially here on the internet. But emotions are natural. Emotions are natural. It's just then what you do with those emotions or how you learn to regulate them or, uh, you know, using your emotions as an excuse for bad behavior. That's when I no longer kind of side with that. But even grieving can be good. Like you must, you must grieve. And there's so many issues around people not grieving. So people say, I don't want to let go of this situation. I don't want to let go of the situation. I don't want to let go of this person. I don't want to let go of this thing. I don't want this to die. I don't want this season of my life to end because I'll be sad. Because I will grieve. Because I will mourn. Because I'll be angry. Respectfully, so what? Respectfully, so what? Okay, you don't want to be sad, but you get sad anyway. You cannot control not being sad because there's times when you don't want to be sad, but you're still sad. 
there'll be times where you don't want to be angry but you'll still be angry don't use like not wanting to feel a certain thing as an excuse for not doing the healthy thing do the healthy thing do the healthier option every time and i know i know i know i know i know it's so 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 easy to say but you cannot fear negative emotions they are a part of life and it's difficult and it's challenging and you just don't want to go through that but what's healthier going through sadness for a period of time or going through the pain of trying but being disappointed because your efforts because you are trying to resuscitate something that is already seeing the light it's already looking into the eyes of god but you're trying to resuscitate it stop playing stop playing sufism um sufism we're going to touch on that just quickly now the poet rumi who is a prominent sufi figure wrote sorrow prepares you for joy Oof, sorry man come on sorrow prepares you for joy it violently sweeps everything out of your house so that new joy can find space to enter come on rumi rumi you snapped did you hear that Sorrow prepares you for joy. It violently sweeps everything out of your house so the new joy can find space to enter. What did the Bible say? Sorrow may last for a... Hey, come on, I'm catching the Holy Ghost. Sorrow may last for an evening, right? But joy cometh in the morning what's that trying to say it's trying to say that whole thing that told you about death and rebirth and about the cycle let go make space for more and you will not believe you will not believe the psychology and i've been guilty too behind i want them to change instead of just changing them come on I want them to change instead of just changing them. Respectfully, who do you, like, I'm coming for someone today. And if I'm coming for you, please, if you're watching this on YouTube, type in the comment section, why are you coming for me? <laughs> I'm coming for you because who do you think that you are? I'm here to get you all the way together. Who do you think that you are? that you have the right to change someone when God hasn't even changed you by force. And he's almighty, powerful, number one. You still have negative traits, negative behaviors, things that aren't good, but you want someone else. And I remember when my mother said this to me and my, I was twitching. I think it was over the phone. I was twitching. I said, how dare she come to me like this? God doesn't even force people to change for him. You know what I mean? Jesus died for our sins. But here you go to the club. Here you go still lying. Still doing the mostest. So we're doing things you shouldn't do. But your ideal of who they should be or what they should be like to bring you the most joy instead of changing them for someone who's already kind of like that, 
you want that person you want to change do you know that's called witchcraft i think that people think witchcraft is spells and witchcraft is potions but hello are we listening witchcraft is manipulation and control the spirit of jezebel honey is not sexuality boom boom boobs and titties and yash no it's control and manipulation and you are saying i want you the shell of you and parts of you but there's things in you that i don't like and i want you to change according to my standard of how i see that you can be or you should be let that person go let that person go and i know in your mind you try to rationalize but i just want them to be better but i just want them to be they grown they grown let them be grown let them be grown let them make their own decisions you know what i mean and you know punishing people getting upset with people because you know they're not being what you want that's really ridiculous it's really ridiculous and i know you know oh, they're hurting me but i love them but i, I just want them to change for me no, 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 no. excuse me my friend you'll be waiting a long time because as much as you hurt god he does not use all of his power to change you to stop hurting him he lets you make your own decisions so if somebody's showing you that they are perfectly capable of hurting you more than once they are showing you that they're able to make an option to hurt you they have options to hurt you and they pick them sorrow prepares you for joy it violently come on Rumi, using using these adjectives violently sweeps everything out of your house so that new joy can find space to enter release release somebody once said when my mentorships when they were doing um a teaching because i have i have them doing um you know you do a presentation on a biblical principle of wealth building you know uh, i really love that that activity that i get them to do but somebody explained that you can't receive with your hand like this you have to give and when your hand is open then you can receive and i loved that kind of like depiction but a lot of people have their hands like this and their arms like this and their doors are locked so that nobody can leave. But then when you lock your door so nobody can leave, also the right people can't enter. You've locked your heart, you know, so all the pain doesn't come out of your heart. But you've also stopped happiness from coming into your heart. Next point here. About allowing yourself allowing yourself to let go of the control of okay you have these negative emotions what should you do with them we've already touched on philippians that don't be anxious but instead go before the lord in prayer in thanksgiving jesus also teaches here about worry in matthew now i don't have the exact quotation and i think i left my phone on the other side should I just get my phone? Should I just get it? But essentially, I can I can summarize it. Um, the Lord was basically talking about, you know, don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. 
right? Because the Lord already knows your needs. He talks about the birds of the air and says, you know, they're good. Like God takes care of them. God makes sure that even though, you know, they don't have savings like you do, or they don't, they don't worry, like all these types of things, God still feeds them. He talks about the flowers on the ground and how they are more beautifully dressed than Solomon in all of his glory. And all of this is to say, oh, oh. then he says, you know, he also points out that nobody worrying can add, can add uh, an inch to their hair which I love how he said that, because that's what I was talking about, about the fact that you can only do A, but you cannot control the outcome. So if you worry and you think, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay my bills? Oh, how am I going to do this? Worrying is not making a strategy. Worrying is not preparing, right? When, when people say like, oh, God said, don't worry about tomorrow, about what you'll eat or you'll drink, just worry about today. He says, don't worry, but he doesn't say don't prepare. Remember in Proverbs, he, um, Solomon explains that in the storehouses of the wise, there's choice wine and grains and all of these things, meaning that wise people do think about tomorrow, but they don't worry about it. Jesus says, the issues of today are enough. Now, my mind was blown when I believe it was Myron Golden, I believe that I listened to, who was explaining the difference between like depression, anxiety, and regret, and these different things. And he explained that when you worry about tomorrow, you are anxious, right? Don't be anxious for tomorrow. You are consistently thinking, what about this? What about this? What about this? When you worry about tomorrow, you are not dealing with today, which means that all the issues that happen today, you never dealt with them. The issue between you and your brother, you and your husband, you're too busy thinking, will we get divorced? That you're not dealing with it right now. You're too busy thinking, will I have money? That you're not taking this time to create a business plan or to apply for a new job. So what happens is today passes and today becomes yesterday. And now you have regrets because you're saying, oh, four years went by, three years went by, 10 years went by. And it's because you spent 10 years looking at the future. Now you're in the future and boom, the future is today. But again, you're not looking at today, you're looking at tomorrow. So you're never in the moment. And that's why I love when Buddhism, kind of tries to get people to be present and be mindful of who you are right now, where you are, taking your mind off of all of the past and the future and all of these things. So this is what Jesus is essentially saying. Like, be present, be present in right now and believe like, 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 oh, I want to take this microphone and I want to scream. I want to scream in it because I want to say, you cannot tell me. You can't do it. Like I refuse for you to lie in my face, for you to tell me that, oh, I'm a Christian. And I believe that God who created heaven and earth and, and everything inside of it, every creature, every beast, every fish, oxygen, water, gold, minerals, that being is also my father and I am his child. 
but I'm worried. I'm worried about what I'm going to eat. I'm worried about how I'm going to pay my bill. Like, come on. Like, you've just contradicted yourself. Come on. You've just contradicted yourself. A part of you has to now start to move like you believe that there is a God. Start to act like you believe, not that there is a God, but that that God knows you by name. I'm grateful that I have, you know, a relationship with my dad. It could be better. Dad, if you're watching this, like our relationship, like, you know, you could take me out or something. But there's a lot of things that I've learned about my relationship with God through my relationship with my dad. For example, I'll tell you guys a short story. It just happened yesterday. So two days ago, I went into the shop and I saw something I really wanted. And I, you know, asked about the price and I was like, no, this, this is not, I don't even think it was extortionate. I think it just didn't match my budget, to be honest with you. But I was like, no, this price is too expensive, man. Like, let's bring down the price. I was trying to negotiate. The guy was like, I feel like a better time. I was like, are you mad? Like, I'm not doing that price. Like, I'm not doing that price. So I'm like, okay, don't worry about it. I see you. I think you're a bit of a man's man. So I walk outside the shop and I call my dad. Dad, I want this thing, you know. But this guy, do you know the price he's telling me? And I tell my dad the price. He's like, what? No, no, no. What price did you want it for? And I said, I wanted it for this price. Can you please come and like help me negotiate? He was like, don't worry about it. I'll be there tomorrow. Cool. Tomorrow comes, which is yesterday. And now he comes, he talks to the guy. There's this point where we were going into different shops because my dad was like, okay, for me to negotiate this thing according to the price you want, let me see how much other people are charging for it. We go into this shop. One of the shopkeepers comes out and he's like, <laughs> one of the shopkeepers comes out and he's like, um, hey, brother. Excuse me. He's like, hey, brother, you okay? Like, hey, brother, you okay? And my dad said, my dad was dead serious. He's like, I won't be okay till I get what I want. <laughs> My dad full face said, I won't be okay till I get what I want. Long story short, I got what I wanted at the price that I wanted it at. Now, when Paul is saying, when you're anxious, go to the Lord in thanksgiving and make your requests known. In my mind, I see as if I could want something and I can go to my earthly father who has issues and we don't have the best, like we don't have the best relationship, but we have issues and he can see me enough of, as his child to come through for me and to use his personality, to use his strategic skill in negotiating to get me what I would like just to make me happy, just to know that I'm okay. I surely believe that my father in heaven, because what does Jesus says? He says, which one of you, if your child asks for bread, would you give him a stone? You are evil. What more your father in heaven? So for me, if Jesus is telling me, my dad, my father in heaven loves me more than my dad does, or is willing to do more for me, or give me more what I ask for than my earthly father. Come on. And I know, you know, you know, people can be saying, oh, you're using your privilege because, you know, I have, you know, a father in my life. I know that, I know that not everybody has that. But it's just this idea of 
I I can't do Christians who believe but don't believe. And if that's you, join my mentorship because I have I've, I have a lot of them. I have a lot of those that come by, and they leave. Man, you should you should hear the things that they pray for when they leave. Like these, or well, not even the things that they pray for, just the relationship that they have. Like they believe, like they, and I love I love that. Like I love turning their whole perspective of Christianity on its head because this whole thing of you have a form of godliness but you deny the power thereof like you believe in god but you also put the limits on him like you behave like the children of israel and god hated that he consistently showed them how amazing he is and how he's able to answer their praise and give them blessings but every time they wanted something new they'd go "Mm, could he really would he really can he really and god was mad and he judged them for it he judged them for their lack of belief after he's proved himself and let me ask you if you're in a relationship with someone who you kept coming through for who you kept coming through for whether it's small or big and they say like oh you know i love you like i believe in you but every time they want something they say oh but i don't even know can you really uh, i don't know if you're actually going to it will hurt you and the Israelites said that and it hurt God. And there's a lot of Christians who do that and it hurts God. So don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. Even when it looks like, oh, this thing is not going to work. Or if I let this person go, I'm not going to find love again. Or if I release the situation, let it go and trust that there's something, someone out there. For me, I know it's the Lord. For you even, I know it's the Lord who's looking out for you. It says all things work out for the good of those who love the Lord and accord according to his purpose and crash Jesus. Come on. Everything will work out. So allow things to be born. Allow them to die. And the rebirth to happen. So now we're reaching the summary. What can we learn? What can we learn from this? Number one, things end. Things end situations seasons people die and it's normal and we should let it happen and we should allow ourselves to mourn allow ourselves to be sad to be angry to let these emotions pass through us as emotions do when we fight death we will always lose You cannot fight death. You cannot fight endings because it's bound to happen. You will lose and you cannot fight negative emotion. You will lose. If you don't allow yourself to be sad, you will end up depressed. If you don't allow yourself to be angry for a period, you will end up bitter. Allow those emotions to pass through you and don't feel shame for feeling negative emotion. We must consciously let go of the need to control, right? To control every outcome and simply do what is in our power to do. Holding on to things can make us physically and emotionally sick. 
So do all that you can for that season of your life. And when it's ready to end, let it end. Do all you can for that relationship. And if it still doesn't work, let it end. Do all you can. Come on now, I'm about to go in for me. Do all you can at the gym. Hallelujah. Do all you can at the gym. But if the weight won't go, do all you can to eat healthy. But if the weight won't go, then live your life. Don't wait to buy the jeans when you lose weight. Look good, chubby, right? Look good, large, in charge. Come on. And lastly, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be scared, but be brave, baby. Be brave. It's okay to be scared, my love, but be brave, even in fear. And again, trust that something out there loves you enough to take what is negative or what is expired out of your life and give you what you actually need. Trust that. Trust it. This is the end of the podcast. Oh my gosh, I just realized I did not do a um I did not do a misfit of the week today. But but um with this, let me just let you guys know if you go into the link, pardon me, if you go into the link on any of my social medias and you just scroll down you'll find a place to nominate a misfit of the week. Remember, it doesn't have to be somebody who already follows me. It can be your family, your friend, your cousin. It can be anybody. Allow me to give them a shout out over here and also to send them £20 just to say, hey, I see you, we see you, and thank you for making such an amazing impact in the world, um, no matter how big or small it is. I want to spread some more love and you know really combat you know cancel cancel culture um by just showing people some love you know what i mean so go ahead and nominate someone and me and a few people in my little misfit camp over here will choose and put that person up again misfits thank you so much if you haven't already um made the decision to join my mentorship course for seven weeks, then please go ahead and do that. Take a look at the link in the bio or in the description based on wherever you're watching this or listening to this and apply. The fee is £35. It's a huge deduction, £35 just to get in, just to secure your place. I'm looking forward to meeting my new group. Love you guys. Blessings. And I'll see you in the next podcast. Peace.